Hey, good morning again. Let's open our Bibles, Matthew chapter 6. We're going to continue our study in the Lord's Prayer. I liked what Annie prayed there about, you know, keeping our eyes focused on heaven because things are pretty messed up down here. <laughs> and, and what a time to pray. What a time to pray as the day we're in, you know. Uh, what did, uh, what did uh, Esther's uncle say to her? For such a time as this, you've been brought to this place. And so for such a time as this, we pray. And that's what we do. And I think that's so, so important. And the Bible talks about all the time, you know, that scripture, you know, let's uh, keep our eyes, fix our eyes on Jesus, you know, the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy set before him despised or disregarded the shame. And, and, you know, that's what you and I need to do. We need to keep our eyes fixed on him. So Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray. And it really, as we began, uh, really, uh, we see that it's really in two parts. It's you know, who we pray to, and then also what we pray for, uh, these two different parts of prayer, and, and, it, and it always starts with God, and, and that affects our prayer. You, you know, when we, when, we just, when we just start with us, that's the kind of prayers that we're going to have, very us-centered, us-focused, you, know, you know, what we think, what, what we believe but we need to focus on God first. And, and that changes what we pray for, changes our whole attitude, changes our whole mind because we're looking at, at him first, not us and what our needs are. We, we saw Jesus taught about it. it's got to be real, it's got to be personal, not to draw attention to ourselves or impress people. He talked about going into your room and I, I really like that, that uh, image of the storeroom for treasures that David Guzik mentioned about that word room, the storeroom for treasures. There's treasure there. There's a real treasure to spend time in prayer with the Lord. So, so the first thing we saw, we, we, we talked about this last week, is that, you know, he's our Father in heaven. And, and you know, th- this relationship, it begins with our Father. But it's our Father in heaven as well. And every prayer is a letter sent from earth to heaven, Matthew Henry said. So when we pray, we're, we're, we're going right into heaven to our very Father. That we have a Father who is like no other Father. And we've been adopted into His family. The second thing, of course, was He, he says that, you know, hallowed be your name or hallowed be thy name. And the, the, the King James says there's something about the King James in this prayer that, that kind of gives it that holiness factor, don't you think? That, that anointed factor, hallowed be thy name. And, and, and really this, this whole thing is that the word hallowed means to treat as holy. To treat as holy the name of God, the name of Jesus. We know Jesus is God. So we have this this idea that we treat this name with holiness. It's a holy name. I found this scripture in Isaiah 57. It says, for this is what the high and lofty one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. He says, I live in a high and holy place, but also... 
with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. He is, his name is holy and he lives in this high and holy place, but, but he says, I live also with him who humbles himself, who does bow the knee as we sang about, as Annie prayed about. To see his name as holy, is, is, is there, there's a certain reverence, there's a certain adoration about it. And, and I think, you know, you and I as believers, we really need to pay attention to this. Our society has, has you know, made the name of God mean nothing. You know, how many times do you see OMG in your text or an email or wherever else? That is just taking the Lord's name in vain every single time. Please, 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 let not come from you and me. How many people just people, you know, that something happens, they go, oh, Jesus. It's just taking the, the name of the Lord in vain. It's, it's not treating his name as holy. This is what Jesus taught. Now, we're not just saying going back to, you know, Exodus chapter 20, the Ten Commandments. This is what Jesus taught. He says, when you pray, realize, understand that the name of God is holy. Just because everybody else in our world is using it in a vain, you know, meaningless way, and that's what vain means, meaningless, let that not be true of us. Let that not be true of you and me. The next point we come to is, is kind of like, I think, the focal point of, of what I want to talk about today. He says, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. That is, you know, you have to stop again with these phrases. We're not just saying the words and then just, you know, see how many times we can say these words. We have to stop and think about it. He says, your kingdom come. This is how you and I are to pray. And, and we look to our Father who is in heaven. Now, he's our Father, but he's also the King. Right? So if you can say, well, my dad is the king, if you lived in a country that had kings, right? You say, my dad's the king, that, that kind of holds some weight, doesn't it? Again, it would affect how we pray because we pray to the one who is the king. And he is our father and he is the one in our lives. But, but notice the prayer. He doesn't just say that he is the king. He says that this should be our prayer to this father in heaven. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. In other words, he's, he's asking, it's our prayer is to ask him, your kingdom come into my life, into our world, into our homes, into our hearts, that he would be the king of my heart. We don't just sing it's a nice pretty song, you're the king of my heart. No, is he really the king in my heart? Is he really the king in your heart? Or is it just, you know, we're playing this game, this church game? God forbid that we should be playing some kind of church game. You and I, as believers, Jesus teaching that, that we pray, your kingdom come, be the king in my life. Be the king in my heart, in our world. It, it really speaks about this idea of submission. It really does. You know, uh, you know what the word abdicate means? You, can't, you probably have a general idea. We don't use that term much because it doesn't happen much in our world, and our society. But, but this is the, the definition, to renounce one's throne. 
That's a simple definition. The formal act of relinquishing monarchical authority by force or voluntarily. So to renounce one's throne means to, to say, I'm no longer the king here. By force or voluntarily. How's it, how's it going to happen? I, I, I did a little search, you know, of, of kings or, or, you know, rulers who abdicated. And it, it was amazing. I didn't realize this. The list was like huge of, of kings that abdicated, who stepped down from their place for one reason or another. I don't know if you see where I'm going with this. You and I, we need to abdicate. We need to renounce our throne, our place on the throne in our hearts. We need to let him be the king. That's what this prayer is. Your kingdom come. I'm stepping down. I've been ruling too long. I've been, you know, I've been making all the calls. And look where that got me. Can you honestly say, I've been doing a pretty good job. I, you know, I'm ruling. I'm, I'm in charge here. God, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll ask for your help every now and then if I need a little wisdom and this and that. But, but I can make the calls. How, where does that get you? Where does that get me? He says, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Matthew, this same chapter, at the end of this chapter, Jesus says in verse 33, what does he say? He says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. Don't seek and worry about all these other things. Don't worry about tomorrow, but seek first his kingdom, that he would be the king. So simple, isn't it? But, but yet so sometimes difficult. Why? Because we, we, we're proud. I don't want to step down. I like the authority. I like the place. I like to be the, you know, the one to take all the credit. I like all that. But you know what? It doesn't work. This is why we're in such a mess. This is why our world is in such a mess. Because we are not acknowledging him as God. As king. But you and I should be different. We've we got to be different. If we're the same as everybody else. We just go to church. What good is that? How's that going to help anybody? I love what Chris said. You know, we bow so that others can see the king. So that others can see, can see him, the Lord. The Bible is full of this, by the way. I've got a few scriptures for you. The Lord is king. Yahweh is king forever and ever. The nations will perish from his land. For God is the king of all the earth. God is the king of all the earth. Do we even know that? Do we believe that? Do we see that? Sing to him a psalm of praise. God reigns over the nations. God is seated on his holy throne. Now, sometimes you, you and I look around and we say we can't see that happening. But this is the truth. And he has a plan. And he has a purpose. And it's going to be worked out. It will be worked out. In his time. In his way. He is seated on his holy throne. He's on his throne right now. You, need, you and I need to remember that when, when everything else is falling apart. Psalm 46, you know, the, the earth is, you know, is, is, is all messed up. The mountains are falling into the sea. 
And what does he say later? He says, be still and know that I am God. I'm still on the throne. I'm still the king. I always will be. Nothing, nothing, nothing will ever take him off the throne. Where am I here? Oh, yeah. A related, uh, the very next phrase in our prayers is really related to this. He says, your kingdom come. And then what does he say? He says, your will be done on earth as, as it is in heaven. Your will be done. So God's will is king as the one who's sovereign, who, who is the Lord. And, and again, this is our prayer because this, you know, this isn't like natural. This doesn't just happen. You and I have to surrender and submit to it here in this world and in this life. There will, be, there will come a time when, when he's going to say enough. And he's going he's to set up his kingdom. You see, that's one of the problems when Jesus came the first time. They wanted him to set up his kingdom. And he says, this isn't the time yet. I came to die on a cross for your sins. But there will come a time when he will set up his kingdom and, and all will be made right. But now you and I have a choice. Are we calling for him to be the king in, in our lives? Are we calling him for him that his will would be done on earth as it, as it is in heaven? Sometimes there's quite a battle, isn't there? My will or his will? Which is it going to be? Sometimes we, we've got this battle going on. You know, am I going to surrender and submit to him and what his will is and what his word says? And, and, or, or, or am I going to do what I want? We, we saw Jesus, you know, praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and what did he say? He was facing the most difficult thing that, that anyone could ever face, going to the cross and carrying the weight of the sins of the whole world. And, and he said, you know, if there's any other way, right? Am I misquoting this? If there's any other possible way, he said, take this cup from me, but what? Not my will, but yours be done. You see, Jesus even prayed like this. He's, he's telling his disciples to pray like this, but he prayed it himself. Why? Because he, even though he was God, uh, you know, in the flesh, he was still, you know, had a human body, and he, and he knew more than anyone what it was that he was going to face. So God's will doesn't necessarily always include making things easier. Right? Well, your will is to do this, but it would be much easier if I did this. So this is what I want, and this is what you want. Whose will wins out? Again, there's this battle that takes place. The Spirit is willing sometimes, right? What did Jesus say as well? The flesh is weak. So the Spirit, you know, in our spirits, we want to do what God's will is. But our flesh says, no, I don't want to do that. Thus, Thus our prayer here, that we pray. Like Jesus prayed, we pray, Lord, your will be done so that my will comes in line with what your will is, that, that my plan is what your plan is. Jesus, earlier in, in the Gospel of John, Jesus said this, my food is to do the will of him who sent me 
and to finish his work. It was like, this is what sustained him, was doing the will of the Father. To do his will. Again, it's not just to know what the will of God is, it's also to do it. Jesus said, if anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Again, there's these choices. So, so, so it's this idea of praying, Lord, your will be done. And then there's also a choice to do God's will. He's praying your will be done. Your will be done by me, by you, by us, who are proclaimed followers of Jesus. Are we going to do what he says or not? Matthew chapter 7. Look at Matthew chapter 7 uh, for, with me for a for a moment in verse 21. These are some pretty scary words in one sense. He says, verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. You see, it wasn't about doing works. What was God's will? What was the will of the Father in heaven? The will of the Father in heaven was that, 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 that we would know him. That we would have a relationship, a true living relationship, relationship real and personal with Jesus, with the Father. Romans chapter 12 says, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So the world, you know, has this whole concept of what we're supposed to do and be and all that. Don't, don't let it push you into its mold, one translation says. But be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Then, then we'll be able to test and approve and know what God's will is. Which brings me to the question, can we know what God's will is? Uh, I truly believe we can. There are times when we're not sure exactly what it is, but there are so many things that are, that are so very clear in God's word that tell us what God's will is. For example, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, Paul said, it is God's will that you should be sanctified or, or be holy, that you should live a holy life, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. This is God's will. That we're not to be, you know, uh, immoral in the sexual immorality that is, is so prevalent and, 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 you know, blistering our society. I'm sorry, but we have gone so far down that path in our society. There's no, I'm not surprised at what's happening in our world. We have gone so far away from, from you know, uh, what God's perfect plan and purpose is. And the things that, that sexual immorality have led to, like abortion, and, and abortion is rampant. And I, I'm not surprised what's happening in our world. On another note, Paul says in that same letter, chapter 5, he says, Be joyful always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all things, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We, you know... 
sometimes we're so worried about the things we don't know what God's will is about that we don't do what we know God's will is. So let's focus on the things we know that we know what is God's calling us to live holy lives in the midst of a very perverse and evil generation. We're not to be the same as everybody else. I heard a guy on the radio uh, the other day uh, on WARV and he was talking, you know, about about persecution and, and, you know, how, you know, what we might have to face, uh, you know, in, in days to come and what people face in other countries even now, you know, that they would have to give up their very lives for the gospel, the, for the faith, their faith in Jesus Christ. And he, and he was saying that, you know, we have no clue what that is. If somebody confronts us or speaks to us about some of the things we're watching on Netflix, we push back. We're not willing to sacrifice anything, not even watching garbage on what the world is pumping out. You say, is that legalistic? No, it's not legalistic. It's, it's what God's will is that we should be sanctified. We should be holy. We should be different from the world. Because they say everything is okay doesn't mean that it is. I'm sorry, I've gone off on a tangent now, I, I think, but, but you know what? This is real stuff. This is real. If we don't make it real in our lives, it's just a simple prayer that we repeat over and over again. And what good is that? It's, there's no good in it at all. Paul says, for this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, prayer, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom, and spiritual understanding. Paul was praying that for these, for these believers at Colossae. And, and, and they, that they would know his will. But it didn't stop there, did it? He says that you may have a walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. These are one of Paul's very long sentences. But, but, but he says there that you would know his will, is right, that you would know his will, and that then you have a walk worthy of the Lord. This is what he's saying. This is what it leads to. This is what the prayer in Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's prayer is. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as, as it is in heaven. Your will will be done in my life. Here. Now, on the earth as it is in heaven. Which brings us to our final point. That's how it is there. That's how it is in heaven, right? The holiness of God, the, the throne of God, the, the will of God, worship and reverence and submission and surrender. That's what heaven is all about. That's what heaven is like. How do you know that? Well, it's spelled out. One man said this, the prayer isn't, get, not, it's not get me out of here so I can go up there, but make up there come down here. I like that. While we're here, that heaven, we bring heaven to earth. He said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to close with, uh, uh, turn with me to Revelation chapter 4. 
and I'll show you why I, why I say this. We're going to look at a few verses there in Revelation chapter 4 of what, what it kind of looks like. What's this picture up in heaven? Revelation chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. It says this, Each of the four living creatures, they had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. This is, in, this is incredible what's going on here. And some of the creatures that are there, we can't even kind of picture what they look like. But what do they say? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures, they give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever. The, the 24 elders, they fall down before him who sits on the throne on the throne, and they worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Notice, they take the crowns off their heads, and where do, where do they put them? They lay them before the throne of God. His throne is the one that matters. His crown. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The Lord has established His throne in the heavens and His kingdom rules over all. That's got to that's change the way we pray, don't you think? But it's also got to change the way we live. Is He really the king in our lives? Have we really surrendered and submitted to him? Paul says this, Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul just breaks out in the middle of 1 Timothy with this benediction, this prayer. A lot to think about, huh? Let's pray, shall we? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, even right now in heaven as it is. Lord, we, we, we long to see heaven on earth. But this is what it is, that you are my king. That your will is my will. That I, that I, I abdicate, I, I step down, I renounce my being in charge and say that you are in charge. You are the king. And the, the truth is, Lord, it doesn't even matter what I think or what I do. The fact is you're still the king no matter what. So it's much better for me to recognize that and surrender and submit to it. Lord, I thank you, Lord. You're my dad, you're my father, but you're also the king. Have your way. Have your way, Lord. Jesus, I also want to give a moment just to give an opportunity for those that don't know you, that have never surrendered to you, to, to take this opportunity to say, Jesus, I need you in my life.
I'm tired of running my own life. I want you as king. Be my king today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we?